nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. My name is Devin. We're here for a terrible emergency. Crazy? Out of the ordinary? First time ever? Insane type of podcast. Austin FC sold Diego Fagundes. Uh, I'm joined today by Charles Peacock of the False Nine, Brad Tillery, who's in an airport and nice enough to join us because this is an absolutely crazy thing going on. And a returning guest, Riley. Um, Riley, how you feeling? I am suffering from joy. I said the thing. We are definitely long on suffering right now. Um, you want to give us a little bit of a heads up of kind of like the story of how this unfolded? The story from what I've been told. Yesterday afternoon, information started to come out that Diego was traded off to the prestigious LA Galaxy, which is, of course, devastating to the fans. He's been a really big, visible player in and around our community. But information started to come out more and more that the firing occurred on a phone call with our head coach, that the conversation was fairly short, fairly terse. When asked why he was being traded, he was told he did not need to know why. He was only given just a few minutes to clear out of his locker. And several of his teammates found out because they were hanging around with one or another of Diego's parents. All right, so this sounds completely ridiculous, so let's back up a second. So Diego Fagundes, kind of the face of the franchise. I mean, we have Drew Ucy, who scores the goals. He was the MVP, or should have been the MVP last year. But we have Diego Fagundes, who scored the first goal in club history. Everybody loves him. Uh, Riley, you met his dog, was which is a very, very cute puppy. Um, and so, like, we just up and traded him and how did you find out about this i found out from a coworker on an internal teams chat i get a message from him going what on earth are we doing i go i mean like in general or in specific like are you asking what i'm doing in my job right now yeah like do i owe you like a document or something and then as my phone goes off to hop on a call i he says we traded diego so i'm Working through my stages of grief while in the Los Verdes Slack channel, reading all of the messages. And is your thought just, do I not know about a different Diego we have on the team or what? Uh, no, I was mad at you because I shouldn't have had to find out from one of my coworkers. And where on earth were you? That's true. I was actually in a meeting and I uh, I ducked into something at like one o'clock and I saw a couple of things that were like, oh, everybody's going to be big bad about this one. And I was like, all right, whatever. Like, here's a dumb like damn trade. Or like a, I think we lost Brad, um, you know, like a third of the value of some player that nobody really cares about or something. And I get out and um, I thought there was going to be absolute pandemonium when you told me that Diego had been traded. I thought it was like a weird joke, but uh, Brad, you're back. And uh, I, I didn't really know what to do. Charles, where were you when you found out the news? Uh, I was at home in front of a computer. And I had seen uh, tweets from some of the Austin media that kind of hinted that something was happening. And I, 
I DM'd one of them on Twitter and didn't get a full response. But then the rest of the tweets, the likes started coming. And I was able to piece together that Austin had traded away its possibly most iconic player to the fan base. I mean, I think it's fair to say he's the most iconic. Brad, I know you're a little touch and go trying to join us from an airport because these are dire, dire times. Um, how did you find out, about, find out about the trade? Uh, so I was, I flew yesterday uh, in the morning at 5 a.m. on a flight. I didn't go out of town from work and I'm flying home really the next day on Wednesday night. Um, flying home right now. I'm going to layover to head back to Austin. So I had so gotten up so early that I went to my hotel early before going into the office and having to go to business dinners where I took a nap. So I took a quick power nap and I woke up from my power nap to find out the information. <laughs> so I'm kind of like in this weird day, like, wait, what just happened? Um, like information crazy. world ending too. I, it wasn't world ending for me. I, I, and this is, I know the, the weird take, right? I, I love the emotions of the game when I'm at the stadium and following the team. However, because of my background, what I used to do for a living as a broadcaster, professionally in professional sports, I have seen, I have been in the locker room when guys have gotten released and gotten traded. So I've seen this before. And I've learned to detach myself from that. So for me, it wasn't like an end of the world thing. I immediately go to, okay, how does this affect flexibility? How does this affect roster construction down the road and the overall aspect of the team? Hearing what I've heard today in the way um, that Riley laid it out with the way it was handled, I'm pissed off about the way it was handled. Um, if everything that's come out is very is accurate, I have no reason to believe right now that it's not. Yeah, and I think that's important. Like, we don't have, like, die hard, this is what happened facts, but we'll go back to Riley here. Essentially, like, Diego got a phone call uh, from Coach Wolf, and he basically said, hey, you're traded, and Diego said, well, why? And Coach Wolf said, well, you, you don't, don't need to know why. What the fuck? Like, and then hung up partway through the conversation. Just, I, I agree with Brad. It's not the result, but it's the way we got there that seems a bit disrespectful. Yeah, I can make a really good debate, and we're probably going to get this about why it's actually a decent club as far as long-term thinking. Um, but there are ways to handle it. Because, I, like I said, I've been in rooms, I've seen guys literally cry when they've lost their jobs and lost their, both their careers or having to be traded and pick up and figure out in 30 seconds, man, i got to be somewhere tomorrow that I was not today. So it, it's there's a human element to that. And really, if everything went down as we... We've heard that it went down so far that that disappoints me to a great, great end. And it's not shocking because I feel like Josh Wolf is pretty high. Um, but I also don't necessarily know if the message should come from Josh in the first place. Uh, this is what we have a sporting director for. He needs to deliver that message. Let me jump in for a second, Brad. I think we're going to try to organize this podcast so much as we can organize chaos into like, we're going to get the front end of like what happened and then the back end sort of rectify or try to figure out exactly why this might be good. But for right now, um, can we just pile on Wolf? I'm always down for piling on Wolf. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we're trying to lay out the facts here. So, you know, Diego gets this weird phone call and like, Riley, do you want to tell us what happens next? Like, Diego calls his mom? Is that the next phase in the story? So there's a, two different stories I've heard. 
One is that he called his mom, who was with Rigoni and with Seba. Seba. And she put him on speakerphone as he tried to tell her that he's been traded and I think he left today. The other story is that it was Diego's dad because they were trying to paint Rigoni's house. But his teammates found out that he was being traded from a phone call that Diego tried to make to his parents. Yeah, and Charles, maybe you can fill in the blank here, but like he put it or he was put on speakerphone because his parents thought it was a joke or something. Do you know the details here? Yeah, that's what I, I heard was that his mom thought it was some kind of joke that it had happened. And so she thought it was like, oh, we're doing a funny joke thing. And instead, it was just like the exact opposite of that. Because you just wouldn't expect somebody like Diego to get told that he was traded over the phone while he's in line at HEB buying groceries. Um, and it just really speaks to the like unprofessionalism, not just from like Wolf, but like the entire front office that that's the way it went down. Uh, and it, you know, I'm glad all the players knew and can see that because that is something that to me is unacceptable in what is supposed to be a, a professionally run soccer club. Well, I mean, Brad mentioned he used to, you know, announce minor league baseball. Diego Fagundes is not a guy hitting 220 at second base for the fucking Durham Bulls. I would this al- is completely ridiculous. Sorry. I would also ask, you know, what I've heard was Diego was given 20, 30 minutes to clean out his locker. I would guess even those minor leaguers getting traded, finding out that they have to be in a different city tomorrow, would at least have a second to make the rounds for the locker room to say something? Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely do. And uh, that, that's part of the thing that bothers me. It's like, you mentioned the process, and it's 20, 25 minutes. It's not a guy who you just fire as company trade secrets that you're trying to get out of there. You've got, uh, or who just quit on you, rather. And, you know, you have companies who are like escort folks out of It's not that. This is a guy who's built relationships. He's getting his equipment. He wants to say goodbye to people who are taking care of him. That should absolutely be allowed. There's no reason for the time for like that. Uh, I've heard people like also worry, well, he's going to be in LA in 24 hours. Okay, that's LA's he's home. Let's be clear on that. The Galaxy are asking him to report that that quickly. That's their decision. But the way Austin apparently handled this is extremely concerning from a club culture because if you talk about the way that we handle player departures in other spaces, and I, I look at Gabriel's specifically, the team was lauded the way it was and this is just the complete opposite uh, the team really got that message out with Ruben's departure and they got a lot of goodwill for that and I think that makes it sting a lot worse with how they kicked Diego to the curb yeah and I mean well, we... and, and, and I think that's what kind of part of it is that like Gabrielson left for his own personal reasons Diego's gone by all accounts, because of Josh Wolf's personal reasons of not wanting Diego there. And the dichotomy in those two um, departures really says a lot about the, the, the coach and the way that we are going to handle things, because this was completely unacceptable in how to deal with not just the guy who scored our first ever goal. He scored the first Austin goal in U.S. Open Cup, and he scored the first Austin goal in the League's Cup. People talked about building a statue of him to commemorate the first goal. 
and instead he gets he, he gets let go like he's some intern and it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous and it's a lone wolf it is entirely it's crazy we had you know we gave a bunch of shit to amro Tarek, who was released in the past couple of weeks and austin fc just hit the two worst own goals in club history today and yesterday uh brad you were gonna add something to be clear, I don't care if it's Pochettino who gets to play with the damn ball this year. You don't just give somebody 20 minutes or first phone call like that. You don't need to know that. That's not the way you do the business. There's a human level to this, right? I'm fine with the trade. Like, I get why they made the trade. We're going to get into that. I can't. It's more of the human handling of it that really bothers me uh, as a fan and as a person that Sure. I mean, it wouldn't be as vocal, but we would be upset if we found out the like club treated the assistant vice president of ticket sales this way, right? Like, hey, get yeah. your shit and get out in twenty. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. Is he the one who advocated for a fourteen percent season ticket? Hypothetical person's pay grade. <laughs> but I, I want to circle back, and uh, I want to have Riley tell a little tale of loss about. Um, you know, we talked about. You know, we've we've been missing some leadership and some of it's Ruben and some of it's a little more like Ring's been hurt. But um, Riley, do you want to tell us about your loss with uh, Felipe? Uh, yes, my lighthearted story. So we're going to take a quick digression through a long and stupid inside joke where the same coworker who broke the Diego news to me and I had a joke that... Felipe Martins was just our angry little hedgehog, and we felt a little ripped off when he didn't come out with that yellow card each game. So when Felipe got traded away, I found myself a cactus that vaguely resembled a hedgehog, named it Felipe. It hangs out in my office, and I've moved past that because Felipe's wife wanted to live closer to the beach. Power to her. I don't think I can get a cactus to name Diego to cheer myself up. I... I do kind of want to circle back as Devin mentions Tarek and mentions that 20 minutes mentions the human aspect. I'm very curious how, when we try to use our atmosphere to sell potential players on joining the team, how we can justify treating any of our players, let alone one of the most visible players with the team, this way and still expect to get top tier talent. Yeah. And I just want to put the nail in what Riley's saying. There were people in the supporter section wearing the opposing club colors that got more time to get their shit and leave than the club gave Diego. That's absolutely asinine. You know, even if Diego's not who he is, which is, I, I think we call him the most visible player in the club's history. And he, it's not just, you know, as a player, it's community outreach, it's all sorts of things, but telling him to just get him his shit and leave is absolutely off the charts ridiculous. And I mean, like, so everybody knows I'm a big Arsenal fan. We had this thing where uh, after it was kind of obvious we weren't going to win the league, there was sort of like controlled leaks into the media that like, hey, Granite Jack is going to leave at the end of the year. Like, you guys get a chance to say goodbye. So, I mean, Diego got a little bit of, like, a nice, like, Lamurga put on a great goodbye for him at Hop Squad last night. But, like, that was completely impromptu. The club gave nobody any indication this is coming. Like, is part of the terror of this just we didn't get to say goodbye to Diego or are we actually upset about the transfer? Charles, I'll let you go first. 
Yes. <laughs> I, I think I think it's valid to do both. I you know, especially in this day and age, to not have any kind of news or any kind of leak is really kind of an incredible job by the Austin FC front office and really a sign of them knowing how badly this was going to be taken by the fan base. Like you almost um, get really credit. I, I mean, I kind of do. Like, I understand, like, you know, it's their job to to make these moves and not have the information leak. And it didn't. Because had this leaked beforehand, like a day or two ago, you can only imagine what the fan reaction would have been. Or especially if, and, and, and this is the crazier part about it, is that because the window closes t- tonight, we're recording this on, uh, on Wednesday night, had Austin stayed in League's Cup, this would have happened while we were still alive in League's Cup, most likely, which is a wild thing to think about to where we would have had a home game on sometime this week, or it's this weekend. I, I can't get over how little the club cares about our relationship with the players, the thing that they try to laud all the time, the thing that they promote all the time. And for us to have to have a last minute ad hoc go away that the fans organized completely by themselves. I think Austin did like one shitty Instagram post saying goodbye to Diego. And that's just, it just goes to show the level of personal disdain and control that Josh has in the front office to not celebrate a player that he doesn't like. So I'm going to come to Brad here in a second. And we don't ever pretend to be family friendly. I swear all the time. If you are listening to this in the car with your kids, turn it off right now. Um, Because what I'm about to say is very vulgar and graphic. Um, Brad, is this Roto coming in and just putting his dick on the table and saying, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want? I think it's possible. And I I think everybody's out here being angry, right? And what's funny to me is just a few days ago, many of the same folks were saying, let Roto go. Let Roto trust in what we had in Roto. You're going to trust in what he had. Let him cook. Let him do his thing. Right? He's cooking. You might not like some of the results. It might not be the flavor you want initially. But if they get you to where you want to be long term, then that's what they're trying to do. Um, so I get people are angry about Diego because he's Diego. I think you go back to like the Instagram post. But that's even like a video. Thanking our best. Thanking the guy who had so many firsts for the club. Right? But from a pure numbers perspective, He's on a million dollar contract. Yes, we signed it to him this year. We didn't have to get back to him this year, but he's on a million dollar contract. It's easier to move him within the league. The Galaxy can't really do anything internationally right now due to uh, a fan they have with MLS breaking some rules. So, and everybody's like, well, why would you get rid of Reddit? Or why would you get You have to have a buyer. To sell something, you have to have a buyer. Diego is. Unfortunately uh, for Diego, but fortunately if you're looking from a larger picture for Austin, he's an asset. So Austin yeah. traded in an asset while they could to free up a new, about $800,000 in salary this year because Memo's on a $210,000 salary. You get a lot of gain. And Memo, by the way, is on an expiring contract. So if we decide not to renew Memo next year, we're all of a sudden a million dollars richer in flexibility for salary next year. So, yeah, I think it's Roto saying, this is a longer-term plan. You might not like the way it tastes right now, but we're going to turn something really eh, not fantastic but tastes like chicken shit right now into chicken salad down the road. Uh, What I've heard is that this wasn't so much a Roto decision as Josh Wolf is having 
some trouble in the locker room and Diego is one of the only players with the cojones to step up and say no. And this was kind of a message being sent saying you can either toe the line or you can leave. And no one here is indispensable. So, but Roto has to sign off on it, right? Roto has to sign off on it. So, I, you can't be, has, you can't be all Josh Gordon. And I'm, I'm not defending Gordon because I think Gordon is fucked up like so far this year to write a book on But Roto ultimately comes in and signs off on it. So, at some point, you got to start holding the sporting director responsible for decisions made by a sporting director. I think I think the thing is we actually know also that like we can we can they can both like the move from different perspectives. I think that Josh can like the move because he wants to get away, get somebody who causes him locker room issues and to diminish the power of the kind of the Spanish speaking click in the locker room. And Roto can like it because it clears up a shit ton of gam. And I know we say like let Roto cook. Well, in MLS, if you want to cook, you need ingredients, and the ingredients here are gam, and they just opened up a bunch of it to use. So both of those things can be true. It just doesn't necessarily. I mean, they they can have different reasons for wanting to make the move. Well, I want to step back too, though, because when Roto came in, Precourt was very clear that this is Sean Rubio's window, and I don't know if that's a smoke screen because. Um, if the next guy's window is not going to be the one where we sell Diego, I kind of understand why you're throwing the old guy under the bus. But um, well, they we did, sure but that- but Roto also chimed in in the press conference and and made it very clear that he was still going to be involved and it was still going to be like okaying things. So I think we can this this might this very well could be a move that popped up out of opportunity and they just went ahead and took it. Yeah, and I mean, I guess at the end of the day, like. So I guess the other thing here is um, a lot of us who watch kind of overseas soccer, uh, if a player goes to another team, they kind of like have to want to. And that's not really true for MLS. It's much closer to like uh, the Major League Baseball trade deadline just passed. And like, unless you have a no trade clause, if the team says you're going, you're going. Um, So it's not like Diego came in and was like, yeah, okay, LA Galaxy sounds good. Um, He was just as shook up as the rest of us. And I don't, I don't really know where to go here. Is this like a Riley? Do you think this is a warning shot to other players? I think it is either a warning shot to the other players or an indication that the front office sporting director Wolf Pier are planning to burn the team to the ground and rebuild what they can. It seems like they're wanting to. Clear out the things that are causing, clear out the players that are causing them headaches. Well, I mean, like, you know, Sean Rubio and to a much greater extent, Josh Wolf built this team. So, Charles, like, what the fuck's going on? I mean, here's the thing is that, like, this is a poorly constructed roster. And I think this is really indicative that, like, there was no plan once Claudio had to resign. We're still not quite sure on that. But, you know, you don't sign somebody to a big extension and then sell them six months later if you're a front office that knows what they're doing, and we don't. 
And so it's really just, it's another sign of what a dumpster fire this club has been. And last year we caught lightning in a bottle, but the biggest thing that we need from Roto is to clear out all of this bullshit that he is left with. And unfortunately, Diego's contract is part of that. But I mean, we just signed him in the offseason. So is this like a Roto thing or a Sean? I mean, I like I said, like in MLS, like if you want to make moves and have flexibility, you need GAM. And Diego was the guy who was able to do that. And unfortunately, you know, it's not Diego's fault that Austin FC offered him more money than he probably has earned. No, and I make this you know, point that, that Alex Ring all the time, right? Like, Alex yeah, Ring is like, the PT, but, like, it's not his damn fault that the club gave him a bad contract. Yeah, and, and you can tell the, you know, now that there's, like, an adult here who actually knows what he's doing, he can True. look at the roster in a much clearer way of not having to, like, justify the mistakes of the past. And, you know, the less that the less that Wolf and Rubio have in making personnel decisions, the better, because they have shown over the last two and a half years that they are not capable of doing it. No. And I want to, I want to wind back a little bit to like kind of the human element of this. Like, you know, I've hired and fired and transferred plenty of employees in my life. I've never had somebody who just had a kid start kindergarten, just had a brand new baby, just put in a pool and called them up and in like 20 minutes been like, yeah, fuck off. Bye. You don't need to know why. Get your shit and go. Like, I, do we have any idea? It doesn't seem like we've done this to players in the past. Like, is this like a new roto transfer thing? Or is this like a, someone's just being a dick? Riley, do you have any thoughts? I, I would go with it feels personal, but that is also, oh, news has been out for, 20, 30 hours, so there's still definitely a wave of general feels about the topic. Yeah, Brad, do you want to jump in here? Yeah, so I, I, I think it's, for me, the failure here is that apparently Josh Wolf made the phone call to let Diego know. That's the thing. Josh Wolf should not be answered, making that uh, call at this point. That's Roto's job as a sporting director, or even Sean Rubio needs to make that call. The head coach at the top level of an organization that can't Here's the question. Is like, is Josh like pulling rank and saying, no, I want to be the one to call him? Or is that something that nobody wanted to be like, were they too chicken shit to just call him? Like what happened? Do we have any idea? Yeah, I have no clue. I have, a- I have no clue. Okay. Well, I mean, we're still kind of early in the trickle process and, we found a few things out, and I'm sure we'll find out more, but um, I don't know. This just seems like a failure, like, top to bottom. Yeah, we'll get to the, like, impact on the team in a second, but, like, on a personal level, this doesn't feel like just a fuck you to Diego. It seems like a fuck you to everyone, and I think that's the biggest part that a lot of people are having trouble with, especially, you know, we just went out and do not exactly great performances in League's Cup, um, you know, the team's kind of been teetering on an edge and we keep up and downing every week when we go over on this podcast. But like, I mean, we've got three weeks ish to stew on this. Like Riley, what are we going to do? Uh, I'm going to have a minor riot on my own. Woo! I, I don't love that there's very obviously disharmony in the locker room there's discontent with the front office 
coming out onto the field, it's quite obvious that the team is not connecting, that the strategy is not working. I'll be honest and say that I don't think Diego has had his best season with us. And I don't know if that's due to injury, if that's due to whatever happened between him and Josh during the contract negotiations in the off season, or if Josh's strategy and coaching is just not bringing out the best in his players, but we can't have a toxic locker room, bad play on the field, and a bad atmosphere. Like it, it's too many failures. Well, and I mean, like we sit up, you know, pretty good view of the field and like off the ball, we can tell how the game's going to go because Riley will literally just sit next to me and point out like, oh, they're doing the like arms by their sides, like what the fuck's going on thing. And we can almost gauge the game in the first 10 minutes how it's going to go. Whether or not there's angry arms. Yeah. Um, Charles, anything you want to add here? Uh, no, but I, I actually, I, I want to hear more about the angry arms because it just sounds really interesting. Uh, this is why we need to transition to YouTube, which we're in works on, but um, not at the moment. Um, imagine like an angry Italian person. Just like the hands roughly at shoulder height shaking or hands roughly at hip height to the sides shaking. Just what the fuck you were supposed to pass that ball to me? Why the hell are you over there? And it... it very wild gesturing that yes, it can be sometimes, hey, I'm open, but a lot of the times it's what's been observed that particular players are yelling at each other on the field going, that was stupid. All right, you guys ready for the most bomb-ass segue I've ever done? Speaking of angry Italian people, <laughs> uh, I did ask our good friend uh, Gina Gatto to come on this podcast. She's a little busy tonight. Um, but she did want me to read out a statement for her, um, and I think it's only fair that I do this word for word. Uh, and this is kind of like the whole idea of the transfer. It's not just, you know, how's the team going to fit in? But um, yeah, no shit, it's a business. But the things I've heard about how this went down and just the way we treated other players with compassion and like humans on their exit, Ruben, Gita, we kind of mentioned a bunch of these. Um, this is just dirty. We've had promising players because they didn't want to build a life here. We've had promising, we, this is just dirty because we've had promising players leave because they didn't want to build a life here. My apologies. I can't read. Uh, Diego did. And we mentioned it. Diego was a big pillar of the community. I'm sure people have said that to some effect. Um, but I just can't sit through all this shit at the moment. There's a lot of factors at play that go into a, running a good business. This isn't one of them. And I want to kind of lean into that. Like, do you, as a segue, like, I can rationalize the Diego contract as a way to do this, but kind of first and foremost, and we'll lead off with Brad here, is the club costing themselves a bunch of the value in the transfer with the way they did this? Uh, clarify what you're asking. So did the club, like, basically fuck over enough people putting money back into the club with the way they did this transfer that it's not actually worth um, what we got out of it financially. No. And here's why. Um, winning cures all. I, I hate to be that callous, but yeah. people get people get mad at those. But get, I'll give you a perfect example from Facebook. It's a somewhat close example. I, I happened to be in Green Bay during the whole Brett Favre leaving 
do you keep them or do you go to Aaron Rodgers, right? Um, and the amount of angry people that they're talking about letting go of Brett Barnes, club legend, hey, what happened? Aaron Rodgers started winning and everybody forgot about Brett Barnes. Right? I'm not trying to be that callous, but it's just the natural state of emotion. People are angry in the, meet, in the moment, but if we start, if we come out on the 20th, we can't say we're we win Copa Tejas, real quickly, people are going to be like, okay, maybe this wasn't the worst thing in the world. So from a perspective, and that changes perspective on the whole thing, not only within the fan base, but outside for potential players that you might bring in as well. You go, okay, well, there may have been something that we didn't know about. Um, I'm not saying that it's accurate. I'm not saying we're trying to defend any actions by the front office in a way that she's handled, but winning cures a lot. And that's it's fortunate, but it's just the way it is. Yeah, I think that's right, but I think that's a, the concern a lot of people and have. And just to be clear, um, I don't know if that's what I got out of the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre saga. I do tend to fall asleep during NFL games, but most of what I've gotten out of that is that if you're vaccinated, you're allowed, not allowed to have State Farm life insurance now. No, you just. Well, this is long. Oh, you ayahuasca first. Okay. So, but this was way before the vaccine. I'm talking like back in 2007, 2008. And I'm sleeping. Thank you. Well, I mean, like my close to home thing is, you know, Cardinals fans were losing their minds when uh, Yadier Molina replaced Mike Matheny, right? And, you know, we saw how well that turned out. And um, change isn't bad, but like, you know, you have to have a plan with change. And we got $300,000 in this year's GAM. Um, and GAM is, for those of you who are not deep in the weeds on this, it's monopoly money that the club uses and the league uses. And it's kind of fucking stupid and pointless, but it's like an accounting gimmick to pretend we're actually trading real money and assets. Um, I've seen some speculation on how this is spent. Um, we just signed Matt Hedges, who is a veteran who's making a bunch of money. None of what we paid for Matt Hedges is 2023 GAM. Um, there's a potential for the Diego deal to rise to 600K in GAM. There's no real clarity on if it's this year, next year, two years from now, three years from now. Um, you know, when Jesus comes back, any year like that. So I don't really know. And like Charles mentioned earlier, like the deadline closes in two and a half hours. So, I mean, I think this can easily be defined by how you replace Diego when we got you know a guy who seems like a nice enough gentleman I hope nobody you know is mean to him or anything but you know he spent seven years in Houston and didn't really make an impact and I don't think that's a guy we can lean on and unless there's something coming where Giroux kicks down the door you know shirtless in all his glory this is just a waste of gam um Charles do you see anything different um it's to say because we are intentionally kept in the dark about these things. So one, one important clarification is that the transfer window closes tonight, but I believe you have until August 15th to still bring in free agents. So in theory, having extra game available could go to signing those guys. The problem is that, and this is when we talk about change, this is not a move designed to help this year's team. Barring some kind of signing, which there seems to be no indication of. This is a move to clear salary to enable Roto to cook. Whatever he's going to make. 
it significantly lowers Austin's ceiling to the point that I don't think we're anything but a play-in game participant and at best like first round playoff fodder. Whereas I think with Diego, we would at least have a puncher's chance to outscore someone. Uh, and that being said, with the with the gamut bringing hedges in, you know, just getting rid of Diego's salary and bringing in hedges gam wise is about even. So all the extra gam in the future potentially is great, but 2024 gam doesn't play left midfield and it doesn't help us score any goals on the pitch. So, I mean, so I'm, I'm going to ask this question for this year. With the way he's played, Finley's on the right. I think he's locked in there. This comes down to Rizzoni versus Diego on the left. Both have had roughly about the same amount of production this year. And I think from a club perspective, they're like, well, they're both really expensive to play the same position. You can't have that. Which one's more movable right now? And the answer is Diego, unfortunately. And and this kind of goes back to roster build a little bit, though. Like, if you look at where Austin is spending the most money, you know, Diego prefers playing on the left, and Ragoni, we've seen this year, plays better on the left, and you're spending way too much money on two players that you can't play in their best position at the same time, which is kind of all the more baffling about why the extension happened and why Ragoni gets brought in, because we don't have a team that fits as an eleven. And we don't have a roster that fits the way Wolf wants to play because he wants to play, go back to that 3-4-3 system. Bringing in Hedges alleviates that a little bit because you could potentially play Leo, Hedges, and Julio together. And that would probably work a little bit better with with some extra defense. But it, also Diego doesn't really fit in there. And it just it goes to show that your roster has to reflect how you want to play and you can't just try to swap out styles all the time with players who don't fit into them. And that's why Austin gave up so many points early in the season when Josh kept trying to fit square pegs into center back holes. I mean, is this, I I guess I'm trying to figure out, is this a Josh move? Is it a Roto move? Is it a, Sean Rubio move. I mean, you know, Josh built this roster and now he's not happy with it. He wants to change tactics. Is that where we're going? I don't well, think Josh he thought that Diego would struggle as much as he has in the fight when they brought in Rigoni. And that changed the way the roster constructs from then on. Well, I mean, tough shit, dude. This is MLS, but like, uh, I guess I'm kind of wondering from the Wolf Out contingent, like, is this a warning shot for Josh to shape up and fly right? Or is this Josh pulling the strings? Uh, I fucking hope so. Because I'm I'm really tired of his bullshit press conferences where he doesn't say anything, no matter what happens in the game. I'm tired of watching Austin start well and the other team make one adjustment and then Wolf do nothing as he just sits there gesticulating wildly like he's coaching when he's not fucking doing anything. Um. And it just, I think it's the frustrating thing about it is that we have so much evidence that Wolf shouldn't be given a leash and he keeps getting one. And the best thing that Roto could do to get the fans on his side again would be to fire Wolf. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it. I guess this even runs a little higher up. Like, Wolf is pre-court's boy or some of the other owners kind of flexing their muscle here? 
So I've heard that bringing Roto in was not something that Josh was consulted about and that he was surprised that the move happened, which would indicate at least tangentially to me that that is a move designed to tell Wolf to figure this out because otherwise we will find somebody who will. Sorry. Well, first of all, I, I have one thing to say to that, which is good, if that's the case. Um, yeah, that's the way it should be. Uh, it's Roto come in, shake things up. I I hope that, from what I heard also, Roto was visibly pissed off after both leagues got in. Um, and you got to remember what he's seen since he's been here. Vancouver and two League Cup games. Those are, those are only three matches Roto has been in the country for. So I'm sure he's not crazy impressed about anything that we have right now. Did I lose you guys? No, no, no. Um, was he not here for the Sporting KC game? No. His first game, he, he landed like Two days before the Vancouver game. Yeah, didn't we win the MLS game after that? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I I blocked out another memory. Okay, so restart. <laughs> uh, no, so since the announcement of the Roto hiring, the team is two, three, and one, including League's Cup. Um, and those were really a really ugly goal differential. Yeah. And all at home, and I mean, we didn't do reviews of the games for a few reasons, largely because, oh boy, but um, I don't know, like, I'm trying to figure out, like, I have right here, for the first time in my life, a tube of original Pringles that I'm going to eat on air. I, I feel like that's blasphemy for you. As the choose it, man. And resident defender, or active, I guess, antagonist to uh, Julius Pringle, who is actually a pirate named Hans Sprungfeld. These don't taste great, guys. Um, am I in for like a brand new, brave, great, awesome new world, or like is it going to be as bland as this shit? <laughs> if I had watched The Matrix, I could tell you red pill, blue pill, but I don't know the difference. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like you're trying to get canceled by the Austin to see fan base now. Like, <laughs> worst things that happen to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I think we're in for a new world long term, right? I for the folks who are sitting there saying, "Well, how does this affect this season?" I don't think this move, this design. You, you mentioned it earlier, Charles. This was not designed for the season. Um, it's designed for the winter window, even mm-hmm. next summer. Um, to open up space. So, you know, the interesting name that everybody's floating out there right now, I don't think it has a chance of hell, but Serginho Dest is out there. He's available. He's got no one in Europe that wants him, apparently. He's been training in Austin. Maybe you can get him cheap for the rest of the season? I don't know. But I, that's... I think that's our best option. hey That would be a horrible option for... The U.S., but I mean, they just rehired Greg Berhalter, so who am I to judge? MLS quota's got to be met, so we might as well bring him in. Well, I, I think my question is, can we use 
this is an accounting thing, so we probably don't have the answer, but like, can we use the game that's left and just give him all of it for like the last quarter of the season and like count that as like, we only spent this much on him? I think it's because that, because if it is, then it's like, hey, we'll give you 700. You know, I think he was on like, I want to say he was like on 4 million a year, of course, or no. I think it was 6 million pounds or euros. Yeah, and so like when it's like when they say that like nobody in Europe wants them, they they nobody in Europe wants them with that contract. Exactly. And it would it would actually be a really good move for him to come to MLS, guarantee field time for you know, three months or whatever, absolutely destroy this league because he would, and get his value back up and to potentially make it a, like a winner move to another club. That would actually be really smart for him. I don't feel like that's what's gonna happen, but that would immediately make me change my thoughts on this move if this if this move was what enabled that to happen do you really think anybody at this club after the way they told diego to hit the bricks is smart enough to pull that off i mean i think i think roto could be and i think when and i say i say that despite i being hesitant on his on his abilities because I don't think that winning at clubs that have just abundantly more resources than your opponents is really that impressive. Um, so I'm interested to see what he can do with ML, do at MLS where MLS has inherent limitations. Uh, and and looking at it from the Galaxy perspective and the playoff perspective in the West, you know people are like, oh, Galaxy are in 14th, blah blah blah. Galaxy are nine points out of ninth, and they have a game in hand. They could go on a hot stretch for four or five matches with Diego and the team and get in the playoffs. I actually think he and Ricky Pugh are going to be very complimentary to each other. Um, and help that help that team. Um, what do you guys want to see? Uh, I, I guess I'll let Riley go first here, but um, when Diego comes back, with the Galaxy, like, do you want to see him on the bench? Do you want to serenade him for 14 minutes, for 90 minutes? I mean, Riley, what do you want to... What should the fans do when he comes back? I would certainly hope that the fans would applaud, would sing his song. Since the club did not give any sort of warning to allow us any sort of full fan send-off, I think it would be the classy, appropriate thing to do to, you know, not go all in on the Diego sucks train, but instead give the man a damn round of applause. He was here for two and a half years and he deserves to be able to walk onto or off of the field with his head held high, even if he's with the opposing team. Yeah, I'll put it out now. If you yell sucks on Diego's name, even on accident, um, we're going to have some words. Um, Charles, how about you? Oh, I'm just going to start a fight. If that happens, like, I'm just going at it. Like, there's no point. You don't care with you? (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, look, there's no security in the supporter section anyway. It's not like anything's going to happen if I start one. Um, I I don't think we should do the song during the game. I think that's a step too far. I don't think we should ever do a song for a player on the other team, no matter how much they mean to us. I do think... Player intro... One of those two? Warm-ups. The team walks out right below the uh, supporter section. The opposing team walks out. Do it during the warm-ups. Okay, if you're going to sing the song, that's fine. 
yeah, I think I think applauding during warmups, I think applauding during the lineup announcement is perfectly fine. I actually think it would be a great move if the whoever Lamurga has up as capos wore Fagundes kits at least at the beginning of the match. I think it would be a great gesture because we we didn't get to say goodbye to him. I just think doing a song about an opposing player is too far. During the game. Doing a song about Diego is a message more to the front office. I I just think think that's such an easy thing to be misinterpreted as still like rooting for the other team, um, which I think is just a step a little bit too far because our, our big thing is that we support our guys and we support our team no matter what. And uh, to me, that just that just not a step that we should be taking. I think we can celebrate Diego without doing that. Yeah, I would also remind you this game's on national TV when they come uh, in October. I think it's September, October. That game's a Sunday night game, national TV on FS1. So I agree. I don't. I don't necessarily want to sing a song or anything during the game. Uh, I do hope Diego starts. I honestly hope Galaxy goes up 1-0, he gets the goal, and then we win 3-1. That way he can, people can say, like, all right, Diego got a goal at home, or in C2. Um, I think there'd be a smattering of applause if he did, quite frankly. Uh, Austin still gets a win. And ideally, Diego gets stuck off in the 75th, 80th minute for a rousing standing, a standing ovation from the entire crowd. Uh, that's well deserved. Even a sub on, I think he'll probably start. Um, but, you know, I hope there's an opportunity where he's at least feels something where he can get a true call at QGP. Is it going too far if I shave the number 14 into the back of my head? Yes. <laughs> into the back of your head? No. Yeah. I already got the answer. Uh, I'm the only person that matters. So. <laughs> oh, but, but what about to your back? If you have back hair, you shave it up there. I mean, I could always like get it tattooed and then just play it off as a Thierry Henry thing the rest of my life. Riley's shaking her head no. Okay. Um, Maybe we won't do that one, but um, let's talk about lineup. Are we going five at the back? Is Leo coming back? I mean, I feel like we could do this for hours on end, but like, you know, against St. Louis, are we expecting to come out with a five-two-three or anything like that? I, I so Leo's not surprised. Sorry, Carl, but. Oh, I was going to say I would not be surprised. I think Hedges and Julio and Ring potentially could could do that if that's what Wolf decides. I don't think it's a smart idea, but when is Josh Wolf engaged in a bunch of smart ideas when it comes to the lineup? I think what's interesting is, I think the more interesting aspect of the lineup is what happens if Rigoni's not healthy. Or do we get to see Memo play immediately? Do we start Rodney? Does CJ Fodry get a chance? I think those are the questions of the lineup that are a little more, um, that, that we'll have to see based on what the injury reports are. I think you just hit it right on the head. Um, I expect Rigoni to start on the 20th. Everything I've seen says he should be back by that point. Um, so Rigoni on the left and Finley on the right. Um, I think we'll be back in a normal 4 4 3. Uh, I don't think the, ex- the experiment of the three man back, five man back, whatever you want to call it, is going to potentially rear its head again until he was fully healthy. Um, so you can really act totally for that. But. Uh, you're dead right. Do you have another injury on the wings where Simi and Rigoni are injured or you have a midweek game where we can't rotate? Who do you step in? This is going to be a really interesting question. 
Uh, with all of the injuries, are we expecting to start to see some of the Austin FC2 players come up? They seem to be doing pretty well playing around on Palmer Field. Other than CJ and Valentin, are there any ones we're expecting to make an appearance? I'd be with 11 MLS games to go as a tight race in the playoffs. I'd be absolutely stunned to see anybody except for CJ Pogers potentially making an appearance in Austin FC this year. And I don't expect CJ Pogers to do it this year. Yeah, I'm not sure who else besides Fodri could even make an appearance based on MLS rules, barring some kind of like weird waiver thing. So we can let like some of the other guys like David if he gets his leg fixed like on the roster, but it's it gets weird and complicated and I'm not sure the front office is really wanting to jump through those hoops. But I mean, I guess kind of like the broad-based question here is, did we throw in the towel for this season? No, I, I don't think we did. And and I go back to the point I made earlier, which is when everyone's healthy, when everybody's in right now, is Diego a lockdown stud? And I don't know that the answer is yes, because I haven't seen anything during the entire season that separates him and Regan on the left wing. And Finley has played better than I want on the right I don't see how you take Finley off the right. Don't make so me apologize to Ethan Finley again. Well, you know you should. Um, but yeah, I know I should, but I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> but, almost but yeah, all of the criticisms I have made of Ethan Finley, I will take back. This is official on the record. Philip the Corgi is still mad at him, though. Uh, well, you shouldn't have Philip mad at anybody. He's too cute. Um, so, but... I, I just I haven't seen enough of a difference between Rigoni and Fabinez to make a strong case that Diego should be starting over Rigoni. And so, therefore, do I think we're throwing in the towel? No, because I think we're getting even production no matter who's over there. I don't know. It's I, I wouldn't say it's throwing in the towel, but I think that it makes. Austin doing anything very precarious in terms of injuries. Um, it really diminishes our depth in terms of any creativity that we can have because we already lack that. Yeah, we were um, one and a half tens. Yeah, and like, I mean, unless we're counting on like, I mean, unless we're counting on like Owen to get like get back to being creative and playing better, I'm not really sure what our like other option for getting a bunch of creativity is besides just like giving it to Driussi and hoping he can do it. So I think that naturally just kind of like diminishes our ceiling. Um, but I mean, it's not, I don't think this is going to like cause the players to quit or like, or anything like that. Like, I think everybody's still going to go out there and give their all and, and play hard. And I think, you know, Austin can still have a chance to do well. I just think that the likelihood of that is diminished now. Well, Charles, you bring up Owen. I'm going to say Owen's probably in a bit of an awkward position right now with the rest of the team. Do we expect him to feel comfortable in the lineup right now? So I, I think one of the I think one of Austin's biggest issues is that we have a lot of clicks in the locker room. And you can tell this based on and I know this is gonna sound silly, but this is what we do here. Um, if you look at the social media posting of who's hanging out with who, and if you watch even pregame warm-ups of who warms up with each other, it does really feel like there's like 
at least three disparate groups that don't necessarily like interact with each other. And I think that's a big part of the problem. Unfortunately, getting rid of Diego doesn't solve that problem. <laughs> if anything, it's probably going to make it worse. Um, but I don't know how Owen couldn't. Like he, this is the inherent problem of having the coach's kid on the team is that all the players are going to treat the coach's kid differently no matter what. If he's really good, great. But if he's bad and Owen hasn't been playing well the last few weeks, it, it puts a much bigger target on him of well, why is this kid starting? Or why is this kid getting field time? Like, especially now that Alex Ring's healthy again. Like, why is Owen automatically a starter over Ring? Yeah, and I'm going to ping this to Riley first. Like, do you think the way this went down where um, the Mate Convos crowd, I guess we'll call them, were just around and weirdly thought this was a joke when it happened? Do you think that's going to damage the locker room presence of Wolf or anyone? Or everyone? Uh, which Wolf? Uh, first one, then the other. Coach, then Teen. Okay. I think Teen Wolf has been in an awkward position this whole time. So, uh, if if everything went down the way that I've heard from various different spots, and I'm sure all of those different stories will kind of combine into some singular truth, it's going to be uncomfortable for him, but he's also been dealing with this man as a father for the last two decades, so he should have an idea on how to deal with it. For Wolf the Senior, I don't think it's going to buy him any goodwill, but with the clicks, with the uh, locker room being in semi-open rebellion... He's had issues with Alex Ring. I'm not sure what could be done or what could be said by Wolf before the next training session or before the next game that'll magically fix everything. Yeah, like they heard the phone call. It was very short. So, I mean, like, how do you walk into training the next day and be like, all right, boys, believe in me. Um, I, I don't know how that works for anyone. Yeah, I think Owen especially is just in a weird position, right? I, I, the best thing for him is to be Hopefully to use up so he can develop more and um, maybe have a longer career. He needs to get that lost just for his own good. Um, because everything he does, it's, it's even unfair. Like, and I, I say the same thing. Take like, your kid out sometimes, you know, because playing too much. He should not play well enough this game and he's been out. And as an objective fan watching the game, uh, not father-son, he's not good enough to be out there tonight in this specific instance. But, you know, dad might give him a longer leash. So I, Owen, for his own good, has got to get out of Boston City. Got to. Yeah, I also don't want to, like, psychoanalyze an 18-year-old too much who said that his favorite part of the Teen Wolf movie was, and I'm going to quote him here, when when he turned into a wolf, uh, I just don't know that like that's somebody that's capital movie. Why are you hating on him? Wait, did they remake that movie? Yes. Uh, they made a show and a movie. Okay. Do we know if he was talking about the Michael J. Fox one? I think it was the Michael J. Fox. Yeah, one. I, I think, think I think that interview happened before the new one came out. I think they went and made a watch it. 
or that one. Yeah, that's totally normal. And then you kind of figure out who Michael J. Fox is. Yeah, that's the thing that well-adjusted people do to their kids. And, you know, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like we could kick this around for another two or three hours. But in the interest of getting this out and over with, is there anything you guys want to add or think we missed? No, from my perspective, I think it's just a matter of, yes, I understand soccer is an emotional game. I understand people love their, their favorite players. Um, but like I said, I think it's once you get past the emotion of this, take a step back and recognize that this could have some long-term good for the overall structure of the roster. We can be pissed off all day long about how this all should be. And should be demanding answers about how this can be. But the of the move itself on paper, I think when you take a 30,000 foot view, it makes a lot of sense for us to see. All right, you're, uh, you're cutting up a little bit, so I'm going to jump in here. But um, two things I want to do um, Diego's kind of send off speech, and I, I'm sure he would have liked more time to prepare it. Talked a lot about family. Is he actually Vin Diesel? Charles, go first. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, because if he wasn't a diesel, he'd be a superhero. Uh, because yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, that yeah. is. Uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, if only. I wanted to jump on, like, the what Brad was talking about, which is that, like, you know, fans can have emotional reactions to things and logical reactions to things. We can hold wow. those spaces. And I think that the the biggest thing was the gut punch notification of finding out it was happening caused a lot of people to go into straight emotional mode and people are still in that mode um i think logically this could be the start of you know a great period for austin where we redo the roster and it all makes sense and and um we see you know us go off to a bunch of bunch of playoff success and, and cup success hopefully and in six months we turn around and go wow diego was on a bad contract what a great job <laughs> exactly that that could 100 percent happen by the same token, we could say, oh, this was the beginning of the end of Austin FC having fans and having a great atmosphere because they sold Diego, did nothing with it, continued to sell off our favorite players, and all of us eventually just said, well, why the fuck are we investing in this? We don't know. So at some point, this will pay off in some way, because, or at least hopefully, because game has to be turned into something. But that kind of unknown and mystery, because we're going to try to act like it's exciting mystery, um, is part of what's keeping people in an emotional state. And I'm sure a significant portion of it is going to be how it was done, not just the fact that it was done. There's the instinct to be outraged and protective over a guy getting kind of shafted. Yeah, and I mean, it should be. You shouldn't treat anyone like that, let alone Diego. Um, so... Towards the end of these episodes, we always talk about our moments of suffering and what I want to do here instead to kind of end on a high note of very, very sad, you know, 24, 48 hours, whatever you want to call it. Um, our biggest moments of joy with Diego. Uh, and I'm going to let Riley go first. Um, I think I know your answer, but your biggest moment of joy uh, that involves Diego well, I, I did very much enjoy that time that I 
accidentally met Diego because I saw a cute dog at the Austin Elite game and decided I was going to go pet that dog. And then went, oh, that's Diego. He brought his dog to support the women's team. Now, it's nice to see him out scoring goals, but it's also nice to see him in a stadium with 150 people supporting a local team. Yeah, it was a very cute puppy, too. It was a very cute puppy. I loved it. Uh, Brad, I think since we're going to lose you soon, I'm going to let you go next. Well, apparently my flight just got delayed to midnight, so uh, I could be here a while. Um, <laughs> I, I guess so. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I was at the game. The first win with Diego scored the first goal. Um, you know, I was at the San Antonio game. where he, I was at every game where he scored, like, the first of all the major goals. But I think mine was maybe the last the last time we scored a Q2, which was that chip goal, right? I think that's the last time we scored a Q2. And oh, was I was beautiful. So, but I was working the floor that night for LV, helping out the Capos and stuff. And if you go back and watch the replay, my arms are in the air celebrating long before, about a second and a half before anybody else recognizes the ball's going in because I happen to be standing right behind the goal and can see the arc of the ball. And then after he scores, he runs my way and looks over and he asks me for the ball because he was on the stand next to the goal because he was going to do the baby celebration because the first time he had scored um, since the baby announcement. So uh, it was kind of a personal thing. It was really fun. Um, you know, I got to meet him once or twice. Always a nice guy. Always super personable. But from an on-field perspective, being there, having a, even a tiny, 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 tiny part of that celebration and the goal and seeing the leap on the face and the happiness of no, I mean, the, the human moments are kind of what we do here, uh, much to my chagrin. But, uh, Charles, anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, I think Diego has been said was also a consummate professional. And I think one of the things that has gotten lost or has not been talked about enough is that when Austin FC lost to Seattle's teenagers, Diego was the player who went to the press conference and stood up and took all those hits. And you have to respect the amount of leadership that shows and amount of commitment to your team and the club to be able to sit there and take those questions after what was, at the time, our most humiliating loss. I'm not even sure it's top 10 now. Um, <laughs> and, and that's really the kind of thing that, and that's really that the kind of thing that, like, that should be, like, you should see in your captain and you should see in your team leadership and people willing to take that accountability and responsibility, um, you know, and and we're going to miss that. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm going to take kind of the other obvious one here. And uh, it's the free kick against LAFC. Because um, I think that might have been the high point, not just for the season, but almost for the club at this point. Um, there's a really interesting story, and I'm not going to get into the huge details about it, but my dad came to visit for that game and, like, Ended up in the hospital the rest of the weekend after that, but he got to see that game and he got to see that free kick and it was a, uh, like, he's fine. It's not like a grim thing, um, but <laughs> it was, uh, it was just like a, an apex, I think, of where Austin FC's been so far. Um, and we're always going to thank Diego for that. And I think we should also kind of mention too, like during the height of the Cecilio stuff, he was very much outspoken and, you know, dyed his hair to um, support domestic violence awareness so it's not like oh yeah this guy did like some cool shit with a ball like he was very very much um an absolutely emblematic professional that you couldn't want anything else from 
and I don't know what we're going to do without him. So, um, anybody else got anything cheery as shit to say? FCTO's good. FCTO's good, yes. Come out to FCTO games. Yes, Riley and I are everyone. Those boys absolutely love playing the game. Their coaching staff and the locker room culture, from what I've seen, is incredibly positive. I saw some people putting out that they're, they were sitting around parents of some of the FCTO players at the last game. And these parents are saying that their kids have described the FCTO experience as the most positive and most fun team that they've been on. It is wholesome and wonderful, and they're winning. Yeah, I actually feel really bad for any of the people who went to Mazatlan and Juarez and saw the Diego news and didn't get the nice, like, just kicking the shit out of LA Galaxy, actually, um, including uh, Klein's kid on the team uh, on Sunday. And it was nice just kind of letting everything go and being like, all right, this is fun. Like, let's just score some goals and have have a good time. We had a bunch of academy players show out. But, yeah, show up to FC, though. Um, they're a good time. And I think we have two of our last three are on Fridays. Yep, we have 25th, 15th, and I don't remember the third one. The internet exists. Look at a schedule. We'll be there. Um, anything anyone else want to say before we get out of here? No? Well, all right. Um, we're going to close this one a little differently. I'm still going to do our fun little tagline and say, you know, on behalf of Charles and Brad and Riley, thanks for suffering with us. But really, I want to close this by saying, uh, Diego, true love will find you in the end. We love you. Bye. Promise here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego Fagundes. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go. It's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.